It's time once again for another episode of All That's Jazz, the podcast that explores everything in the world of jazz. And here now is your host, Alan Scott. Hello and welcome to another episode of All That's Jazz. Today we have the good fortune of speaking with vibraphonist Chen Chen Liu, who has released her debut album as a band leader. The album is called The Path, and it's getting rave reviews. Chen Chen, thank you very much for uh, taking the time to join us today on All That's Jazz. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, it's a pleasure. You are originally from Taiwan, but you're living now in New York City, or at least in New York State? Yeah, I live in New York City right now. I live in Harlem. I went to school in Philadelphia, and after school, I just moved to here. So being originally from Taiwan, when did you actually move to the U.S.? Uh, 2015. After I finished my classical master degree in Taiwan, I felt like I need more music. You know, I need to make my own music. I, I want to be more creative. So I found out jazz is the way. So I moved to here, start my journey here. Well, speaking of the way and the journey, tell us about the new release in terms of the name of it, The Path. Why The Path? The Path is basically talking about my musical journey. Yeah, I was in Taiwan doing all the contemporary um, classical stuff, and um, I got tired of it. (laughs) Not tired of it. It's beautiful music, but I just feel like I need more. You know, I I was touring with a percussion group and I was having a stable job there. I was a high school music teacher, but I just I just didn't feel satisfied. And I came here, I started to learn basically a, a new music language, jazz. And so my debut album, The Path, has a lot of different elements from classical contemporary to jazz. So what is it like as a music artist to have your debut album as a band leader? Were you nervous about it? How do you feel about the fact that now that you've done this, you've completed it? I had no idea what kind of music I'm going to do. I had no direction and I was not confident about my composition, but you know, I have to do this. I have to really put out some stuff. So I had to figure out my direction. I had to talk with my producer about the style and the production and all that stuff. So um, I feel pretty good after I put I put out this record because I feel like I have a clear direction right now. But before the release, I had no idea. I only know that I just have to do it. I have to go through all this to figure out my my style, my my music, my sound. Well, you've been playing professionally for a while and touring with other people and other ensembles, but when did you come to the idea of uh, maybe waking up one morning and say, you know what, it's time. It's time I were the band leader. It's, oh my God, it's a journey because I actually had a band with a drummer maybe like two, three years ago, but... The music we made, I was just not into it. So I didn't, you know, dare to put out a record. And I started to tour with this trumpet player, Jeremy Pelt. 
me and uh, other bandmates, we were touring in Europe. And the bass player, Richie Goods, one day he came to me. He was like, do you have your own album? I was like, no, I don't. And he said, do you want to, to put out a record? I say, yeah, I would love to. And he said, I'll be your producer. He just came to me and, and told me that he wants to do something with me. So, yeah, so that's how everything started. I remember I always want to put out a record, but I just don't know how to start. And I just, I'm, I was not confident about well, myself. Yeah. You couldn't have had a better mentor than to have Richie Goods because you also worked uh, on one of his albums, which was a tribute to his mentor, and that was Mulgrew Miller. Yes, it's it's a family. <laughs> I I you know I record music for him and he produced for me and we are very tight and we have future uh, plan like we're gonna put a band together in the future. So it's very fun. Yeah. Well, and again, uh, Richie Goods is uh, somebody certainly truly yeah, unique and wonderful as a musician, bass player, acoustic and string. He was actually one of the youngest people to be inducted into the Pittsburgh Jazz Hall of Fame. And then it went on from there for him. Yes. I Yeah, he told me about that. You know, um, if you work with someone you really connect with and that person is really nice you it get to express yourself more so i feel like richie is totally like that he doesn't give me pressure and he just lead me to a, a different world so yeah personality he's wonderful so before we get into some of the personnel assigned to your new release and some of the tracks itself. I'd like to back up just a little bit. Now, you're originally from Taiwan, and you started out at the tender age of 10 uh, mm -hmm. playing piano. But then where did the percussion come into it? I actually started to play piano when I was six. And percussion, I started play percussion when I was 10. Yeah, because the music education system in Taiwan is really intense. So we have all the crazy music class in our elementary school, middle school, high school, all the way to college. So I got in those kind of class called music music class. And we have to spend so much time on music. So pretty much everyone in my class, we all have perfect pitch because we have to take perfect pitch SAT in Taiwan. It's really intense. So everyone who study music, we all have perfect pitch. And that's the way we learn music in Taiwan. That's a pretty high standard to live by and to start out that way, especially as a young person. It's hard for a lot of us as youngsters to get disciplined enough to reach something like perfect pitch. Yeah, I guess it's like a Asian culture, <laughs> it's so strict. My mom is a tiger mom and I just do whatever she want, wanted me to do. You know, I never had sleepover with my friends. I was always practicing, but I didn't get to listen to a lot of music. I didn't, I didn't know what, what was, what is jazz. I was just practicing classical and do my homework and had not a lot of fun time. <laughs> Yeah, but I found out more music later on in my college. How did how did your parents guide you toward music as opposed to becoming an educator or becoming a scientist? 
something uh, other than a musician. I was um, I was on WRTI interview, and they asked me this question too. I can only say that's the culture because if a girl study music or a girl knows how to play piano, we will marry to a good guy, uh, like a rich good guy. <laughs> that's like a, a mindset in Taiwan for a lot of parents. So my mom always tell me, I sent you to study piano because I want you to marry to someone nice and good. And now you got all serious. You know, she thinks I'm way too serious now. Take this whole music career right now. And so now I'm sure that you, you've proven her to be right in some regard, and you've become uh, truly one of the emerging vibraphonists uh, internationally. Yeah, she doesn't know what I'm doing, but she just she's happy, you know, because I get to take care of myself. And, you know, she thinks I'm happy. You know, I have a good life and... So she's happy right now. <laughs> uh, did she achieve her goal? Did she push you toward marriage somewhere yet? Or is that still somewhere in the future? Somewhere in the future. And she, you know, she calls me all the time and asks me this question. I said, not yet, my mom, not yet. <laughs> so would I be wrong in, in saying that while she advocated that you go into music, is she now going to tell you, whatever you do, do not marry a musician? No, she is actually very supportive. She, she didn't say that. Because <laughs> I'm a musician, right? So how come she can ask me to marry to a non-musician? That's not fair. Like, I can be the musician, but my husband cannot be a musician, right? No. <laughs> so she's very open-minded. Back in Taiwan, when you were younger and you were becoming proficient and pitch perfect with the piano, uh, where did the vibraphone come in? Who pushed you or, or gave you that inspiration to say, you know what, Chen Chen, why don't you uh, pick up uh, some mallets and come on down to the laboratory and uh, let's play some vibes? My first piano teacher, she thinks I have a really good time. Like, my time is really good. My rhythm, you know, the sense for, for, for rhythm and time is really good. So she suggested me to study percussion. Yeah. And it, it's such a beautiful instrument, too. The sound and the resonance that comes out of vibes is, is exquisite. I think it also transcends many music genres, uh, but also many cultures, too. Like, for example, the Chinese or the Asian culture, the vibraphone sound is very clearly at play in some of the music. Yeah, I really like vibraphone because I get to, I mean, I like certain quality of, because sometimes vibraphone can get way too high frequency. The, the high frequency can get too much, but I always like to reduce High, like use those mallets will create more low frequency and it sounds warm, even though it's, it's metal, but it can sound really, really warm. Well, and it does. And it's, uh, I'm sure once you start picking up the mallets and start playing and, and listening to the tones and the music that you create with it, you were inspired by a number of vibraphonists uh, after you started becoming acquainted with. Who were some of your inspirations? I really, really like Mel Jackson. He is my favorite. 
and uh, Warren Wolf and Bobby Hutchison, of course. And um, yeah, just a lot of vibraphone player. I mean, uh, when I was in college, I listened to Gary Burton a lot. Yeah, and of course, Roy Ayers. Of course. Favorite. Yes, yes, yes. And we can talk about Roy in a moment, but I have a, a, a question. I've never really asked a vibraphonist before and wanted to find out. Uh, I'm fascinated, first of all, by vibraphone. Uh, it, it's absolutely a, an amazing, amazing instrument. But it, it would scare me to no end to try to play it. Uh, I understand maybe picking up two mallets and starting to hit the notes, etc., but whose crazy idea was it to say, you know what, now that you've mastered two, let's try four. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, right? If you grab four mallets, you have to take care of the harmony and you have to solo. Like two things you have to do. So it's crazy. But I'm more like I'm more uh, like a two mallets player because when I hold two mallets, I can express myself more i don't know why but when i was playing classical i grabbed four mallets even six mallets but when i switched to jazz i just feel like i'm i'm two mallets person mm -hmm. and yeah to me that that's always been uh, just uh, one of those things that sort of intrigued me it's a how do they do that and then when you pick <laughs> up four for example is the separation between them uh, a certain uh, spread be between notes on the scale so that when you when you hold four mallets mm -hmm. how do you know the spacing in between each of the mallets just a lot of um, practice you will know you you can feel the 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 dis distance i don't know i started to practice a lot of like rudiments like the the those exercise to you know do different intervals you just go go over that every day. I remember that was part of my practice routine when I was young. Every day I have to like do interval two, three, four, five, six, and you know, just a lot of practice. So is it that it's two uh, separated or spread out notes that are in harmony with each other? Mm -hmm. Yes, maybe, maybe think about like piano player, what note they are choosing. So piano player has 10 fingers right we have like four so it's different but it's not it's not um piano player doesn't create i mean i should say we are equal because if i hold four mallets the sound i can create is very unique especially i can create those fourth fifth intervals so it's different but it functions just like piano player you get to choose what note you want to play well, it, it's, it's absolutely fantastic. And, you, you know, you're talking about your inspirations. Uh, I'm sure at this point in your life and in your career and where you have achieved uh, a music prowess that uh, you will soon be the inspiration of many other people in the vibraphone world. That's a huge compliment. I hope so, but <laughs> not yet. I still have so much work to do. Yeah, thank you. In terms of inspiration, let's talk about The Path. One of the first tracks uh, on the release uh, is one uh, that uh, is connected to Roy Ayers, talking about an inspiration. How has he influenced the music? And did you want to choose that to set up 
as the first track to set the pace? Because I like his playing so much. I remember when I was in Taiwan, I always listened to his stuff. And when I was studying Philadelphia, I got invited to do a Royer tribute concert with this band, Vertigo Current. And just the the groove and the composition just really, I, I loved it. And uh, But I only did that one tribute concert with Vertigo Current, but I just fall in love with playing Royer stuff. So when I was trying to put out this record, Richie was asking me what music you will really listen to. Not just like you will play on, but what kind of music you will listen to. think I could do Royers, but I still tell him I like Royers. And he said, yeah, why not we just do it? So I just arranged the song. I I have a cello player, violin player, and a conga player. And I did arrangement for that. And I'm loving it. Well, he's definitely the pioneer of jazz funk. And it, it's, it, it shows uh, in that particular first track which is we live in brooklyn baby mm-hmm. <laughs> yes at first when i heard that tune i i was trying to associate that with you and i'm thinking well i don't know does she live in brooklyn uh, or or why did you choose that one and then it was like duh roy ayers roy ayers yes i love the way he solo because i feel like he just want to have fun you know, his language and everything. He used to play like straight ahead jazz, like very fast stuff, like bebop stuff. But later on, he just completely play whatever he wants. Well, you really laid down a groove funk in that particular track, no question. So tell us about... Have... Go ahead. Because <laughs> I have Richie Goods on bass and Alan Manar on drums. They provide such a huge, strong, you know, groove. Let's talk a bit about some of the personnel on the recording. Obviously, uh, there is Richie Goods, as we've been mentioning, and uh, Alan Mednard uh, on drums. Uh, he's uh, from New York. How did you become associated with some of these people? We play in Pelt's band. We tour together all the time, so I got so used to his playing, and I love, um, yeah, I love his personality. He's really cool. And um, he's he's being so, so supportive. I mean, musically. Whenever I play with him, I always feel like I can play whatever and it will sound good. <laughs> no matter what. Alan Menard. Yeah. So besides having a drummer, you also have a percussionist on the release as well. Yes. We played a couple times in Pelt's band. And he played with me a couple times um, in my band. And... Um, I always like to have a conga player in my band. 
And of course, yeah, I I loved him to to play my music. Well, it also looks like you went straight to the top for a pianist because uh, Shedrick Mitchell uh, was a keyboardist, what, for 10, 12 years with uh, Whitney Houston. Yeah, and uh, Aretha Franklin and uh, Stevie Wonder. He and uh, Richie, they are good friends. So, yeah, I when we were trying to choose a piano player, Richie was like, I feel like Shedrick will play your music really, really good because the the type of music I choose I I wrote so yeah Shedrick Mitchell is his recommendation and I love his playing and then when you were putting this all together you decided to add violin and cello why why did you do that just for that one track we live in Brooklyn because I don't know I just feel like strings can add a beautiful sound but also can add a really hip sound to some, you know, different music. So that's why I, I want to have string player. And also the original version, Roy, Roy Ayer's music has strings too. But just the way they play, it's a little bit, a little bit different than my uh, arrangement. When you started putting everything together, you, you start out with this uh, really uh, great Lay It Down funk tune uh, from Roy Ayer's. But then you moved into a couple of other things that I, I think were quite interesting, and I'm glad you did this because you brought in your tradition and culture into the mix with the uh, Blossom tune as well as the path itself. And, and these have uh, Chinese or Taiwanese uh, influences. Yes, um, that uh, Blossom in the Stormy Night intro, my mom, that's my mom. I cannot sing, but my mom loves singing. So I was like, mom, can you just sing the song? Because it's a really popular old Taiwanese folk song. Everyone knows that song. So my mom just sing over the song and I record it and we put it on the track. Yeah, that's Blossom in a Stormy Night. Well, that's great too, because I was wondering if that was you. Uh, I, I didn't think it was because you also have listed on uh, the album itself uh, a uh, vocalist, uh, Lisa Lee. But Lisa I didn't Lee. think that would be her. <laughs> I was like, mom, do you want to use your Chinese name or American name? She said, of course, American name. <laughs> She's so proud of herself right now because of that track. Well, and, and I'm sure she's uh, very grateful to you for uh, you giving her credit on the uh, album as well, even though she's 
Lisa Lee. Yes, Lisa Lee. <laughs> so that that's great. Had she ever used that name before somewhere? No. She always liked to sing. So she will I remember she used to go to those singing competition, but you know, because she had she have us and she has to work, so she never get to really sing, you know. So now she's like so happy because I was like, Mom, um, London Jazz Radio, they are playing, you know, the song and <laughs> everyone's, you know, is listening to your singing and she's just so happy. So tell me about your choice of uh, the Bill Evans, Miles Davis tune, uh, Blue and Green. I remember we were trying to see if we like uh, Peace or Blue and Green. But Richie was like, Richie likes Blue and Green more. And we just started to, to, to we, we put a session together and tried out both songs and we decided to to play blue and green No, it's a classic, right? Everyone loves that song. Mm -hmm. And uh, he thinks it's a really cool idea to have some covers because it's my debut album. So we want people to, you know, to, to, it will be easier if I have some cover songs for people who don't know me to, to check out my music. Well, certainly. And that, uh, that's, that's always, uh, I think, a good thing to do. There's no reason why you can't. And besides, uh, I like when people cover music because then they put their own influence on it uh, or your own arrangement, and uh, you you own it or make it yours. But yes, it still yes. pays mm -hmm. tribute to the cover uh, tune that you're doing. Another cover that you did was Mo Better Blues, which is great. I love it. Yeah, because the song is so simple, right? <laughs> feel like I can put I can put a repeat and just listen to that song you know a lot so I'm like why not I really want to be able to enjoy my own album so I also want some easy listening songs well you took it to a really uh, good path so to speak tell us about that particular tune the path how does that sum up your your career or your journey so far the path basically wrote a uh, marimba quartet and 
that kind of music. I think I play that kind of music, like percussion ensemble, marimba quartet stuff through my college and my just my 20s. I was always playing those kind of music. So when I was putting this, the song together for this record, Richie forced me to write a percussion ensemble. He was like, you play that kind of music so much. So you have to know a lot of that type of music. But I was like, but I don't know how to, you know, merge that with jazz. And he was like, just write it. I will, I will take care of it. Marimba Quartet, and he arranged the rest of the song. Because after that, the, the the intro, the Marimba Quartet, the band comes in right after that. So he did the arrangement. But basically, we are using the same chords for that two different section. Well, it's uh, wonderfully done as well. And you, you've had a lot of different influences and culture into this because you also had the kind of Latin-spiced uh, Invitation, uh, one, mm-hmm. of, one of your tracks. Tell us about that one. Invitation, I, when I was touring with Jeremy Pelt, we sometimes will play Invitation. I mean, we, we basically, we almost, every time we played his original, but sometimes, you know, when we tour in Japan, they just want us to play some standards. So Invitation will always be one of the, repertoire we play. I want to have Jeremy to play on one track. So I was like, why not we just play Invitation? Because the drummer and me and Jeremy and Richie, we play together on the road all the time. So yeah, I just, me and Richie just did a little bit arrangement for that song. And And then of course, uh, lastly, uh, one of the uh, things that you did was you paid tribute to your grandmother on one of the tracks. Yes, thank you for reading the <laughs> the the the, the te- content. Yes, my grandmother, well, I don't know how to start this, but she is always 
inspiring, you know, because、uh, she had a re- really, really hard life, and、uh, but she still made everything work. And I always think if she doesn't try hard, if she is not that strong, I wouldn't be here, you know, because she went to war and she was trying to make money to to raise her kids and everything. So that we get to enjoy our life so much, so I really appreciate appreciate her. And、um, she passed away three, four years ago when I was in New York. I was going to a show. My dad called me. I was on the subway, and he he told me Grandma pa- passed away. And I was so I was so shocked, and I almost couldn't do the show, but I still did it. And I play one. Chinese arrangement on that show, but it's not this one. Not not tears of love. So after I played the song, I just had an idea. I said I need to write a song for her. It's a lot, a lot of emotion stuff in inside a song. But if you don't know, that's a tribute for my grandma. You probably think that's a love song, right?、Mm-hmm. <laughs> But it's for my grandma. Yeah. Well, it's a beautiful song, and、uh, mm-hmm. I'm sure it came from your heart and soul to pay this、uh, tribute to. It sounds like a a wonderful lady in your life. She is my、uh, phone. Has her picture on the, yeah, the the homepage. Always, always my grandma. She's just really important to me. When I feel weak, I think about her. Yeah, I get to move forward. In moving forward, what what's uh, coming on uh, in your life uh, next? Uh, what's on your horizon? I mean, you you have this new release, and I'd say right out of the box、uh, as a debut band leader, you've done remarkably well, young lady. Thank you. Yes, I I'm actually very happy with this album, and I feel like I have a better idea for for the next record. But for now, because of COVID, because of this virus, we cannot tour. I cannot share the story for from with my audiences. So it's a little bit hard. But me and my producer Richie Goods, we are going to. Uh, release some music together next year, but we'll release as singles, you know, and instead of dropping a record. But that's just I. I think I'm still in an experimental period, so I want to, you know, explore explore more music and of course the writing. I need to write more. But when everything comes back, I would love to tour with my band and tell people my story. So, do you think you'll ever go back to piano and maybe incorporate that into your career or your path? That will be my dream. Yes, I want to be like that. I want to be able to play piano and vibes. 
Well, and uh, it's uh, quite evident in your work, uh, as uh, we have heard uh, through some of uh, this release, The Path, and I'm sure for the future, other things that we will hear coming from Chen Chen Lu, who is on the path to maybe superseding Pitch Perfect. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. So it, it's been a distinct pleasure and a joy to speak with you, Chen Chen. And uh, I hope uh, one day we'll have the opportunity that we will cross paths. Mm -hmm. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of All That's Jazz with vibraphonist Chen Chen Lu. We'd like to thank Ben Sedrin for the use of Mr. P's Shuffle as our theme song. Please join us next week for an interesting conversation with jazz violinist Regina Carter about her latest release, Swing States, Harmony in the Battleground. If you liked today's episode, please leave us a five-star rating on the streaming service you use. All That's Jazz is available on every major streaming app, including Podbean, Apple Podcast, and Spotify, as well as Facebook and online at allthatsjazz.net.